Hey everybody, welcome to the No Pants Required podcast. I'm your host, Jen Mann, and today I am wearing fuzzy jammies. It is a snow day. I am not leaving my house. Nope, I'm not getting dressed. That's what I'm doing today. So my guest for this episode today is Jen Fulweiler. Jen Fulweiler is a stand-up comic, best-selling author, and mom of six kids. Yeah, six. It's weird. I was just thinking this. She's like the second person I've had on here with six kids. Because remember Denise Grover Swank? She has six kids. And I want to say Jacinda Wilder has a bunch of kids too. What is it with all my friends having lots of kids? It's weird. I mean, it's not weird, weird, but it's just weird that I'm like hanging out with a bunch of people with a bunch of kids, especially since I really don't like kids that much. So, anywho, back to Jen Fulweiler. Sorry, I digress. So Jen is a stand-up comic, a best-selling author, mom of six. She has a new comedy tour. It's a She did a self-produced comedy tour about a year ago, two years ago, and now she is getting ready to launch her new comedy tour. It's going to start here in Topeka, Kansas, which I'm very excited about because uh, I live very close to Topeka, and so I will be there on opening night. So I'm very excited to see Jen, and I hope you enjoy this episode. First question, Jen, are you wearing pants? Let's start with that. Yes, you know, I, unless I get paid extra here that, yep, yeah, I've got my jeans on. I'm actually sitting on the floor. I require a, a fee, you know, to show up, no pants on. So that, that's a different kind of podcast that I See, do. See, I'm, I'm just the opposite. If you want me to wear pants, you better send a check. So <laughs> I'm definitely coming without pants. Like, And especially if I have to sit on the floor. Okay, like if you're not watching the video, she just Jen just showed us. She's wearing jeans and she's sitting on the floor. I don't think I could get up off the floor after that. Like I, I, I get I'm, the I'm really kind. impressed. This stretchy <laughs> kind. Okay, stretchy, good. Yeah. It's like I, we need. This is an ad for those jeans because that's uh, that's got some real flex in there. Well, okay, let's just jump right in. So Jen and I are we're basically friends through Twitter. I feel like that's kind yes. of where I see yes. the most of what you're working on and what you're doing. We have not had the pleasure of meeting in person. However, next month, March. What is it? I think the twenty. 6th, I want to say. Yeah, late March. Yeah. Late March. Jen is doing this comedy show. We're going to talk all about the comedy show because I have so many questions. But she's doing a comedy show and she's coming to Topeka, which is like, I don't know, like an hour or something from me. And so I texted a friend and I was like, hey, bitch, we're road tripping. Like, we're going to go see this show. That makes my uh, day. So I'm so excited. And Jen, Jen was like, oh, we have to hang out backstage. And I'm like, you will not be able to get me away from backstage. So yeah, we will. <laughs> Okay. Well, uh, Jen, I have to tell you about this moment when you replied to me on Twitter. I didn't know you followed me or maybe I knew you followed me, but it was like from a long time ago when you not only spoke to me, but said you were coming to my show. I texted my friend. It was a very similar text to yours. You're like, Hey bitch, we're road tripping. I was like, Hey bitch, Jen, man, just reply. You're, you're not going to believe this. Like she, like she's coming to my show. I have been, I actually checked. I got on your email list. I think it was like 2016 or something, because I wanted to know if you were ever coming to my town. I've been a fan of yours forever. Since I heard the title of your first book, I was like, this woman and I, we share the same brain. We think the same way. We have the same mood. And uh, I've just been a fan of yours forever. And so I told everyone, I've been name dropping you to everyone. I was like, well, you know, Jen Mann is coming to my show. So I guess, you know, I guess one of us is at least successful in this conversation. I mean, <laughs> this has like made my life. I'm so excited about it. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. And I will wear pants. I, I promise. Like, well, it's not I, required. I won't embarrass it's not required. You're not required. Yeah. I won't embarrass you too much. Where do you live? What city are you based in? 
I am in Austin, Texas. Oh, I went to Austin. I went to Austin like, yeah, like four years ago now. These emails, they don't, you know, sometimes you miss people's emails. I would have been such a stalker. I would have totally stalked you if I'd known that you were in my town. Yeah. Cause a few years ago I did like a, my own grassroots book tour. I was watching that. Austin was a stop. So, but yeah, I'll get back there. I love going to Texas. Texas is always fun. I always have a great time. It's just so damn big. I have to plan like 18 stops because everybody right. lives 60 hours away from where I am. They're like, I, I'm like, I'm coming to Texas. They're like, yeah, you're on like the literally the wrong half of Texas. Yeah, you're so, like 10 hours away from where we are in Texas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'll get there again and we'll we'll do that. But I want to talk about your comedy tour. So, you know, like I said, I started this grassroots, you know, book tour a few years ago. And I know a lot of authors reached out to me and wanted to know what I was doing and how I was doing it. And I had an opportunity to get on stage and do stand up just before the pandemic. And I had a really good time. I'm not sure if it's really my thing, but I, I do love, I do love a live crowd, you know? And so when I saw that you were doing this book, this um, comedy tour, I want to know all about it. Like what, how, why, when, and where? Okay. So it's funny that you mentioned book tour because that's how this started. My second book came out in 2018. And I decided to do a book tour. And I took all six of my kids who were homeschooled at the time. So you can imagine I took six kids and the youngest, I guess at that time, what he was three or four, up the East Coast to all these different cities. Uh, I had help. I will, I'm not even going to pretend that I did that all on my own. And it was so much fun. I thought, okay, I, I want to keep touring. I want to keep doing this. And I had, I dabbled in comedy a little bit. I had a live radio show. I was on Sirius XM. So it was a solo show. I did not have a co-host. I didn't do a lot of guests and it was two hours a day, five days a week. So that boy, that'll give you a chance to work out some material. And, <laughs> and so I, one of my listeners pointed out, she said, you're, you're kind of doing stand up. You're, it's just, you just haven't formalized it because I would do what stand up comedians do. I would work out funny bits and I'd, I'd say it on the air. And I thought, okay, I can't release a book every six months, but I would like to keep touring. So I started doing stand-up and I bombed the first couple of times, but it was that moment where I was like, I think this is for me. I, I think I have found my thing. And writing is my thing also. I don't think people necessarily just have to have one thing. But when I when I got into stand-up, I said, I, I'm addicted. I love this. And, and I've been in it ever since. Uh, I quit my talk radio job in May of 2020. So great timing there. <laughs> I quit that to do stand-up comedy touring. Just wonderful timing. And, um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, you know those mugs that are like, she believed she could, so she did. I want to yeah. make one that says she believed she could, and she was dead wrong because the pandemic was coming. <laughs> right. But, but, but before the pandemic, I actually, my, I, I, I had developed a stand-up comedy set. I was, I was excited about it. I believed in. I had worked it out at the Austin clubs. Austin has a really strong comedy scene. So I was getting up in front of people who had no idea who I am, and I was making them laugh. And I said, okay, that this, I maybe I'm onto something here. And so I booked my own tour on my personal credit card. Me and my best friend, we cold called theaters. Like I went to Kansas City. We found that theater by googling rent theater in Kansas City. All of these theaters thought we were insane. When the first one asked for a rider, we were like, our people will get back to you. And then we had to Google what is a rider. I mean, it was so, 
it was the stupidest thing anyone's ever done because All right, so you for have, the people who are listening, like what is a writer? What is it? it? It's where you, okay. It's where you say how you want the theater set up. So I right. want lighting this way. I want one microphone on stage and a stool, that kind of thing. I didn't know you could ask for food and stuff. I wish I was going to say, that. yeah, where's the part know. about like no green M&Ms and uh, only right. room temperature water. I, I didn't know. So I just, I, there was my green rooms would be empty. Not even a bottle of water. There was one theater. They didn't have a bottle of water anywhere in the theater. So I was like, all right, I'm going to be high maintenance and ask for water next time. Could I get bottles of water? bar at least or something? <laughs> Nothing. I I no, I actually dry, I, I cupped my hands in the sink and, oh and drank God. that for water because I didn't know. I didn't know you had to ask for those things. Someday when you have like a Netflix show and you're like, right. you know, up there getting <laughs> Emmys and Oscars, you'll be like, remember when I yeah. had a cup of what my hands to have a cup of water? That'll like, be a insane. good origin story. Yeah, yeah. No, because yeah, I used to time. work Oh my gosh. So I used to work for a company where I had to do the writers. I had to be the person who like pulled out all the green M&Ms and made sure your water was facing straight out and all these things. So I love a good writer. And someday I hope to make someone's life miserable with my writer. I hope for that day. <laughs> then I'll that know is I've a good it. goal. That yeah. is, we should have a competition of who yeah. can have the most high maintenance writer. Right. You know, you know there I was went- at, at one of my shows a few months ago, this woman, she's just a fan and she's a painter. And she showed up and live while I was on stage, she painted me being on stage. And I thought, I'm adding this to my writer. I I need a painter. (laughs) I need to, I can't perform unless I'm being painted. So I'll be at these theaters on the tour that I'm doing now. And I'll be like, well, where's my painter? It's in my writer. I require a painter. I'm sorry. I I don't perform without being painted. Where is my Perrier that is chilled to exactly 39.4 degrees? Like, Yeah, I'll bring a thermometer, you know, (laughs) and be like, I'm sorry. This is, this is. 42 degrees. This is not right. what I asked for. Mm-mm, this is not going to work. I can't go on like this. Oh my goodness. Okay. So you put this, cause here, how does it work? So like, I'm just, I'm always trying to dig into everybody's business. And so if I'm asking two personal questions, you can tell me to shut the fuck up, but <laughs> never, never. Okay. <laughs> but I just, I'm wondering like, okay, so you have this personal credit card. So let's just say I have an Amex. I got 30, I got a $30,000 yeah. limit on it. So I just call up a theater and I'm like, Hey, I want to rent the theater. Yes. And they tell me it's thousands of dollars to rent this theater. And then they're like, good luck selling tickets. Like, do they help you Literally. sell tickets? No, they didn't do anything. They did not. They 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 misspelled my name on their marquees. <laughs> they put Julie Fulweiler I, in Columbus, Ohio. I have pictures of this. Julie Fulweiler. <laughs> yeah. So so here's the thing. Here's a here's a little trick. Theaters are half price if you will do a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday show. So okay. most of the stops on this tour we're Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And uh, I did not know it's much harder to sell tickets at those times. I'm, I sold out most of the shows. It was incredible. But I did not know that I, that, that was not considered a smart move to do. My One of my biggest shows, Columbus, was it was on a Monday. And it was a pretty big theater. And it, it we were like 20 tickets short of selling it out. So oh I it just goes to show. I mean, you never know how things are going to work out. But yeah, yeah. so theaters are half price. So most of the theaters... The, the rental cost was like three or 4,000. And then there were some additional fees you have to pay for staff and things like that. But you keep 100% of ticket sales. So okay. that was the financial bet. Now, but here's the thing. I'd never done a stand-up comedy tour. I didn't know if my fans would show up for it. And when you rent 12 theaters at $4,000 a pop, and for really, five, some of them had some more fees. So let's call it average of 5,000. You're in financial trouble. If you don't sell tickets to that tour. 
So, like, did you sleep at night? Like, were no, you just terrified? No. And then, like, I, like I, I would not be able – and I'm a risky person. Like, I will yeah. bet on me all day long, but I just – I don't know if I could do that. Because, I mean, how many seats are we talking? Like, 200? Am I, am I selling out 200 seats? Is that what I have to sell? The biggest one was 1,000. A couple were 500. <laughs> the smallest was 300. No, I didn't go lower than 300. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. No, I'm already – like, I'm, I'm like, flop sweating right oh, now just thinking oh. about it. I would love to tell you that I girl bossed my way through it. No, I didn't at all. I was like, I hate myself. This is the stupidest idea I've ever had. This is, I, I'm an idiot. I should have never done this. I was terrified. The, the okay, one so take thing, me to like the first show. Where was the first show? Okay, by the way, I will say the one thing that gave me peace is because I had done the book tour, people had shown up for that. So I did, yeah. I had some reason, this wasn't, totally out of the blue. I had some reason to believe that my people would show up if I did something. Okay. Right. So actually good story behind the first show. I was, uh, when I, that was, that was, that was Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So I am huge in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm famous in Sioux Falls, nowhere okay. else, but okay. I walked down the streets of Sioux Falls, South Dakota and people stopped me for selfies. So did I knew you that grow that would up be, there? Like why are no. you a local celebrity? I don't, they just like me. And I'd done some, I'd done like three big conferences there in, in a short amount of time. And I don't know, I guess I'm a, I'm a South Dakota kind of person. I, okay. I, I don't, I don't get it, but boy, did that city really take to me. And Very so, good. yeah. And so I, okay. So I was there for, this is a, one of those beautiful coincidences that just worked out Around the time that I had to start booking theaters, I happened to have a speaking engagement in Sioux Falls. I knew I might want to come there for my comedy tour. So I, I went and I looked at this theater and I said, look, God, like you've got to, I, I need a sign. I can't, this can't be, I, I, I need a divine entity to blame here if this all goes south. So I'm going to need a sign if I'm really doing this. And so I had looked at this theater and the guy was like, all right, do you want to put down your credit card? What are we doing here? And two things happened. I got a text that I found out that a, a festival that where I was very well known because I'd spoken at before was going to be on the same day and they would promote my comedy show almost as like part of the festival. And then five minutes later, I was talking to the guy and I said, okay, what would the expenses be? This theater, it was a Monday afternoon. This theater was empty. And this random guy comes walking up and he says, are you Jen Fulweiler? And I said, I, and I do, again, I'm, I'm somewhat recognized in South Dakota, but what he said was, he said, I have no idea what you look like, but I've heard your voice on the radio and I recognize your voice. And I thought that is so random to just recognize someone from their voice that you have no idea what they look like and come talk to them. So I took that as my sign that show sold out in like, and the other thing is I only had four weeks to sell tickets between when they went on sale and when the show was, and it sold out. It, tickets sold very quickly there. And so that show really got everything off to a good start. And that's, I don't, as if I'm giving advice as if anyone would ever be insane enough to do this. Like when you're thinking about, you know, <laughs> risking your finance, <laughs> your family's entire finances on your stand up comedy tour. But I guess even in smaller things in life, I think just look for, look for doors opening and start with people who you know have your back. And that's what I did with Sioux Falls. You know, everyone was like, you should start in a big place like LA or New York. And I was like, no, I'm starting where I know that people have my back and they won't make fun of me if it's like five people in the front row and no one else shows up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So I'm trying to imagine the conversation that you must have had with your husband about this too. Like, 
was he on board or was he like, we're insane or what does he do? Like, is he, I imagine he's like pragmatic and he, yes. Oh yeah. Like, you're right. Yeah, I good mean, we're guess, all, good guess. if you're a creative, so, funny yeah. person, you're definitely, cause you, ha- you can't both be crazy. So you have right, to have right. like the yeah. same I person. would be doing this interview from jail if I were married to someone who is like exactly like I am or from like a homeless shelter or right. something. I mean, right. yeah. So he like, you is, gotta have the guy who's like, we have a budget. Have you heard of right, that? Yes, like, right. <laughs> yes. And I'd be like, what is that? Tell me that word again. You keep saying it. You know? <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. For me, money is this sort of magical concept that doesn't really exist. Right. It very where much do you, does exist to my husband. Where do you think our children get dinner from? Like, what is? Right. Where are they getting food from? What's happening? <laughs> right. So, I mean, you can kind of guess by the fact that we. So, we. I have six kids, and we had six babies in eight years. No twins. So that that tells you that my husband is also crazy in his own way. He is. He's an attorney by background, but we live in a city where, like, it's actually kind of hard to be an attorney because it's a lifestyle city. So everyone moves to Austin. There are so many lawyers in this city, it's stupid. So it's actually not, his work has just been sort of hard because he lives in a city where everyone is a lawyer. And so we had made the decision (laughs) right before the pandemic that he would scale back his work and only work not even part-time because with so many little kids, somebody has to, with me traveling a lot, somebody had Mm -hmm. to be on top of what's going on at home. So I thought that was really cool that he worked really hard to establish this fancy career and then he was willing to take a step back from that to support what what I did. And and he's as crazy as I am in in some sense. He is a little bit more pragmatic, but he was like, let's do it. You know, let's let's yeah. let's you know be interesting in life. Like he he really supported it. Well, I think sometimes too, somebody like that, at least with my husband, I look at way the way he looks at, he's always looking at the bigger picture. Like he yeah. if anything, he's like, I would be like, Oh, well, I think it'd be really great if we could get like a you know, if I could do the the meeting room at the local town center, you know, I would be happy. But otherwise, you know, I'm not going to – otherwise, I'm not going to do it. And he'd be like, oh, no, we're getting a thousand-seat theater. Like, go for it. So yeah, I, yeah. I kind of get that, but then I'm also terrified of that. Plus, I – but it's funny you say that because just like last week, I was like, oh, I was thinking I'm going to go to Nashville and like because I want to kick up my book tour again. And I was like, oh, I think I'll go to Nashville. And he's like, how much is that going to cost? Right, <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah, so, right. You need that like, balance. You need yeah, that at least balance. I didn't say I was going to rent a theater. Wait till I tell him that. Right, right, right. No, go big. Go, you've got that name recognition. Look, I'll get you set up. You need to do a theater tour. Like, and I, yeah, you need to take it to the next level. I'm going to throw up. Okay. so <laughs> Well, that's how I feel. To be honest, that's how I feel. So now, so you've got the six kids. Now, are they still traveling with you? Are you still homeschooling? Are you doing all that still too? No, no, or no. Or did he they, take over homeschooling? No, in, in some ways, it's harder actually having them in school. But I, I enjoyed homeschooling. I liked it. But they wanted to, uh, they, it was just their choice. They wanted to go to school. So they are actually all in school now. Two, uh, two of them go to a Catholic school and then the, the youngest four just go to public school. And so they can't travel as much anymore. But, and I couldn't afford to bring all six to every stop on the theater tour. So what was fun is I put up a map with dates of where I was going and I let kids in pairs choose which city they wanted to go to. And that was kind of fun for them that they said, oh, I've never been to Atlanta. So I want to do Atlanta and, and I want to do Sioux Falls. And so that right. it was really fun to watch them divide up the cities. Oh, that's very cool. And how old are they now? They are, my oldest is 17 and my youngest is eight. Okay. So yeah, because I, I don't know about you, but like, I think I should have done more of this traveling stuff when my kids were smaller. Like I almost feel like it was, you know, I I have a 15 year old and a 17 year old now and 
they're the ones like even just now, like when I said I was going to go to Nashville, my husband's like, mm, I don't know. Like the kids really, there's a lot going on. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, are you yeah. sure? And whereas when they were four and five, you know, you could be like, right. I'm out. You know, just yeah, keep them it's alive. like what are, you know what? Yeah, it's like what are you missing? Like they watched an extra episode of Elmo. You know, yeah. But now it's like, with how old are your kids? Fifteen and seventeen. Oh, that's yeah. Okay, so I also have I also have a fifteen year old. I have kind of all the ages. You know, having you do. so many. And, so is your, uh, I is know your, it is harder now. Yeah. Now, do you talk about your family in your stand up? Yes, and I I don't you know I'm careful not to. My kids' friends follow me on Instagram, so yeah. I'm careful. You know, I, I don't reveal personal stuff that would embarrass them, but I do talk about family life. And I, I'm, I'm one of those people that I used to think I didn't want to have kids at all. I'm a very cerebral person. I come from a long line of engineers and people who think like engineers. I am not domestic at all. Uh, it's nothing domestic comes naturally to me. I'm not good with babies. I said the other day, I was talking to someone and I said, yeah, I, babies freak me out. I, I don't understand them. And they said, wait, don't you have six kids? And I said, well, yes. And that is how, that is how I know with authority that I don't know anything about babies. So that's, you know, it, it, it's just, it's a wild ride, like trying to figure all that out and balance that. But it gives me good comedy material because the fact that I am not a natural fit for domestic life, comedy comes from tension. And so right. there's, there's plenty of tension there. Right. You're not like other moms. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. And I don't know if that's a good thing, but I am, I, I'm definitely not, not quite like that. I think the one, some of us are not and that it works out. I always say I couldn't have, you know, I always wanted to be a writer, but I couldn't really write till I had kids because then I wrote about them and how I'm not like other moms. And that's yeah. sort of what and it worked. me it out. Worked yeah, it well. works, you know? Um, so now you've got the new tour starting. It starts next month or this month? It starts late March. Yeah. Late March. And this will be like, so this will be like your second round. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Now here's an interesting thing. So I keep telling myself like, these are the problems you wanted. So now I am with, I signed with a very fancy agency, Jen. I'm so legit. It's called United Talent. They represent- I've heard of them. I've heard of them. Like they are- Yes. If you Google United Talent comedy, they represent like Jeff Foxworthy, Jim Gaffigan. I mean- Basically, any comedian you've ever heard of is yeah. probably represented by UTA. So be, because BFD. of the success of that, this is what happens when you bet on yourself uh-huh. and it works. Now, by the way, I have bet on myself many times and it was a dumpster fire embarrassment. But when you bet on yourself and it works, well, then other people want to get in on that. So that's how I ended up. Uh, to be honest, there's some comedians who I think are a little frustrated that they're like, okay, I've been slogging it out for 15 years in this industry and you're with United Talent. And it's like, well, I I bet on myself and I proved that I can get people out and people want this from me. And I took 100% of the financial risk to prove that. And that, and that gets people's attention. And so, and I just signed with this great new manager. And so I always dreamed of that. And you know how it is. You dream of a goal and you think, well, my life will be perfect and I'll have no problems once I get that goal. But now that I have it, there's this new stress of you don't want to disappoint them because when it was just on me, yes, that's a ton of stress that to to have that pressure, but that, but at least you're not disappointing someone else. I think that's kind of the worst feeling for people with my personality type. I'd rather be in personal bankruptcy than have one person be like, well, we expected more of Jen Fulweiler. 
Yeah. Well, that's, but I think they are right though. You showed them that you were a good bet, that you were somebody who could sell out all these theaters. I mean, how many stops did you do in your first tour? I did 12. 12 stops. Yeah. So now you're signed with UT. So now you've got the backing of UT. So this time the theaters are not on your credit card. No, I, I know. And so that, yeah, like someone else is taking the financial risk. And so again, that's cool. There is an advantage to that, but it's it's also like, oh, what if I disappoint them, you know? <laughs> well, yeah. Or they can let you go or they can, yeah. It's like, who? and maybe for me, I know like if it's not me kind of, I don't know, sometimes I feel like if I'm not the one in charge, then I don't give it as much effort. Does that yeah. make sense? Like you're kind <laughs> yeah. of like, I mean, you kind of were like, well, it's kind of, you guys that sold tickets now, right? Like, <laughs> no, see, I'm the opposite. I put everything on me. I okay. put everything. I like, I, I'm, I assume that it's not up to them to sell any tickets. And I blame myself if everything is not going perfectly. So yeah, I, I put, I put a lot of stress on myself and I shouldn't, but that that's my personality type. Well, good for you. I probably should put more stress on myself, but I just <laughs> no, don't. No, no, no. I, I mean, honestly, I, people like you end up being more successful because then, look, what we get paid to do is be creative, create right. funny things, create fun things. And if you're walking around feeling like the weight of the world is on your shoulder, you're probably not doing what, what you're supposed to be doing, which is having fun and being creative and sharing yeah. with people. So I think you're doing it exactly right. Well, I think that's the thing. I think to me, the, the, the thing that like makes me the least creative is to have a contract over my head and to have yes. someone be like, you know, yes. we're waiting, be funny, yeah. be funny. You know, <laughs> uh, it is. Oh, it, I, I honestly think for people who do creative work, that is, that is this, if you can do that, you can do anything. If you can feel free and creative, when you have signed a contract, there are expectations, there is financial pressure. If you can continue to be fun and free and creative in those circumstances, then everything else is easy from there. So now if we go to your comedy show, which I'm going, I'm going to Topeka. I'm so excited. I want to know, like, what are we going to, what what what's, what do you do? Is it just stand-up? Is it, it's it, like anymore now, you know, these mom shows, they have all different kinds of stuff. So I'm trying to figure out what your show is going to look like. Yeah. So I do traditional stand-up. I've been to the mom shows that have more, it's like a dialogue and it's like a conversation. Yeah. And those are a lot of fun. That's not my personality. I really like the art of stand-up. So if you've ever seen someone like Jim Gaffigan or just the classic stand-up comedians, that's mm -hmm. what I do. Because that, as, a, as an audience member, that's kind of my preference. And because yeah. then I can check into one thing and roll with that. I think maybe it's my, I've, I've often thought I have undiagnosed ADHD. And so when they're constantly switching up what's going on on stage, I'm like, wait, what are we doing now? I thought you, you guys were making jokes. Now they're bringing couches out. Why are the couches out? <laughs> so I'm right. like, Right. One type of show that just flows. And um, and then, of course, my my agents and my manager want me to be working on a special. So because I, I have one comedy special and they'd like for me to do another. So you've got to You just ha you got to have one show that just rolls all the way through. And mm -hmm. there will be an opener. To be honest, I don't know who that's going to be yet. Uh, I know some great people. So it depends on who's available. I always find someone who I think will really entertain the crowd. And yeah. so, yeah, I do. I do my material. Sometimes it has kind of a story arc, but sometimes it's just jokes and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Everyone has so much fun. So now you said before that you have, you have bombed before that you bombed the yes. first time. And yes. I always love a good bomb story because I yeah. think so many people look at people who are doing successful things in, in the arena that they want to be in. And they're like, oh, they never had anything. Everything's always worked out for them. They've never, they've never had anything go wrong. 
tell me about the time you bombed. Oh, tell the me time, about a bomb. the, to- the okay. time, your best, your best bomb, was it, right? Okay, right? I'll tell you, this, this isn't the first bomb. This is more recent, but it, it's it's a great story. Okay, so I was headed out the first time I had done a show since the pandemic. So I was a little nervous, you know, I ha- hadn't been on stage in a while. And I was, my agents had booked me. So this is after I signed with UTA, they booked me at a comedy club. And there was this big, speaking of expectations, there was this big question mark hanging over everyone's head. Can Jen hang in a real comedy club? Can Jen do real comedy? So I I had a lot to prove. And so I, so I go to the Omaha funny bone, God bless these people. And there was a, a somewhat famous comedian was there the night before. And I had just, I had flown in and I had just gotten off the plane and I thought, you know, I'll support their club. I'll buy a ticket and show up and see this guy's show, order some food just to, you know, they're having trouble coming back after the pandemic and I'll just see what they're about and check out their show. So the owner was there and she introduced me to the guy who was performing on Friday. And keep in mind, I had two shows on Saturday. So the the club is risking their reputation on hosting me there because they get, they get some of their people out and if I suck, that makes it look like their club sucks and like mm-hmm. their club doesn't know comedy. And my agents had convinced the, this wonderful owner to to take a risk on me. So Friday night, I, I'm introduced to this comedian and he said, oh, you're a stand-up comedian. Well, would you like to do five minutes uh, to open my show? Okay. So it had been a rough flight, Jen. And um, I have an old Xanax prescription that I hardly use, but sometimes when a plane really, really is getting crazy with the turbulence, I'll pop a Xanax. I was convinced on this flight that I was going to die. So I did not care about being responsible. And so I had a glass of wine and two Xanax on this flight. Um, Cause I figured these are my last moments on earth. So I might right. as well be chilled. Well, I didn't die. The plane landed. I kind of regretted that turn of events from what you'll hear in a minute. The plane did land safely. The, the correct answer was no, when you have had a glass of wine and two Xanax and you're exhausted. So th- so this guy is, he, he has his opener who is, I didn't understand, like this killer comic. They call them in the comedy industry crowd murderers. Like, the, I mean, like literally has the crowd screaming. So this guy goes up and kind of opens the show for a few minutes. And so he does this crowd murdering five minutes. So then he brings me up. And I thought I knew what I was going to say, but then at the last minute, that I remember that the main comic is known as a clean comic, and he asked me to do a clean set. And some of my jokes, like I have a couple jokes that re- like one references roofies, another references people smoking weed or something. And as I was walking to the stage, I thought, oh, is that not, cl-? I mean, I'm not swearing and I'm not talking about sex, but I, are roofie jokes clean? <laughs> like, I don't know. And so I realized as I was walking on stage, I should really change this because I didn't want to offend this guy's crowd. And so I'm just like trying to think of other material. I'm like, is that clean? Oh, no, no, there's a, there's a getting drunk reference there. And I'm changing my whole set as I'm walking on stage. I get up on stage. The lights are too bright. I can't see the audience at all. It is like I am speaking to a brick wall. I'm sure you've had this moment on stage. It's very that. disorienting. It, it just, it feels like the whole room has disappeared. So I can't see the audience. I'm on Xanax, two Xanax, and I don't normally take it. So it's like really hitting me. And I'm just like blathering, saying <laughs> jokes. But you know what I can see, Jen, because fate was against me this night. I can see the owner who is dear friends with my UTA agents took a risk on me. I can see her. I can see her. 
It was the worst five minutes of comedy anyone's ever done. I floundered through the whole thing. When the other opener came back on stage, it was very clear. He had to roll up his sleeves like, oh, got to save this event. Now that, you know, the mom (laughs) doesn't know what she's doing. Don't know how this woman is. She just from the audience, like, how did she get up here? And, And of course, he did like the best set I've ever seen anyone do. Like just killer comedy. The headliner got up and killed. Okay, so then I went and I slunk back to the dark corner where I'd been sitting to, to marinate in my shame. The owner walks up. It, I wish that she would have yelled at me and said, what the hell are you doing on my stage? Instead, she patted me on the shoulder and she said, it's okay. Oh. And that was like the worst. Like, I wish she'd been mad at me. I wish she'd like, like swore at me or whatever. And then I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> afterwards, I was talking. So the show was over and I was standing with the headliner and the opener and the fans would walk up and the headliner was named. I, for, I forget. His, let's say his name is Tim. That wasn't his name. But let, so let's say the headliner is Tim. The opener was named Chris and I'm standing there and people would be like, oh my gosh, Tim, I was dying. You were so funny. Chris, you killed it, bro. You're the funniest dude ever. Jen, where did you say you're from again? <laughs> it was literally I had like 15 conversations like that it was I'll never Ooh. get over it like I'm so, and that was just that was not even a year ago that was this past summer I, I'm Ooh. so traumatized I'll never get over it now postscript I did my two shows on Saturday best shows I've ever done that I just killed, killed but it, right yes and so and I had this moment of like you can almost in my mind I could almost hear we are the champions playing in the background after my first show I actually got a standing ovation. The crowd is like rising to their feet. And I'm like, friends, friends, it's so good to be here. Jen, I fell off the damn stage. (laughs) I fell (laughs) off what missed the step because I was so busy enjoying my moment of glory. And the stage was like five feet high. This this was not a small stage. At this age, you could break a hip doing that. You gotta be careful. I know, I know. So yeah, so I I mean, and, and then- the cra- I have audio of this. It was this rousing, like standing ovation, and then the crowd just stops, like they just go well, silent. Yeah. The- yeah. At yeah. least no one laughed. I guess I don't know. I, I don't no, know what they the didn't right laugh. No, and that was where I wish they would have laughed, but they didn't laugh. So yeah, Call it was an this ambulance. Absolute- <laughs> yeah, just oh, it was it was so yeah. But at least at least the show went well. At least. I mean, and you literally yeah. almost broke a leg for it. So right, good for right. you. Yeah. Yeah. Holy I'm surprised crap. I didn't break something. And that it was a bad fall. Oh, I would have. 100%. Oh, and then I had to do a second show, by the way. <laughs> that was at my first show that I fell off the stage. Omaha <laughs> Funny Bone. I will never forget that place. Omaha Funny Bone. I'm writing that one down because we've got to go mm-hmm. there sometime. Oh, my yep. goodness. That is crazy. All right. Well, so, okay, so this is interesting because I sort of, I don't know why I thought, but I thought you were a clean, com- you're, I, you're not a clean comedian? You don't yeah, do clean no, I comedy? Am, I am. I'm clean. Oh, you are. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just, just roofies I, Yeah, not. yeah. It is, uh, I would say my comedy is PG to PG-13. So, I mean, right. I, I will reference, that I have some punchlines that's like, I, I'm, you know, talking about a theoretical conversation and I'm like, all her children smoke weed. So I guess some people think that's like not clean to reference smoking weed, but I don't, you know, no F-bombs. I don't curse. I don't go into graphic sexual territory because, and the reason I do that, I mean, it's in my personal life. I, I've never used the best language, but one of the reasons I do it is because I want my shows to be the kind of thing that unites people. I think mm-hmm. this is a whole kind of separate subject, but I really believe that women of all ages, of all backgrounds, we really struggle with loneliness. I think especially women who have kids, it, it's just hard to get mm-hmm. out and 
and socialize with people. And so I've had comedy shows come to town that were women comedy shows. And I wanted to get a group together, invite my neighbor, invite, invite, invite my crazy friend who's been to jail not that long ago, invite my friends from church, invite all these different people I know. But I'm like, you know, these, these comics are filthy and they go into the most graphic sexual territory. And so I just, I I don't mind that comedy, but I, I'm very limited in who I can invite to those shows because I just don't know who it will offend. So that is actually why I keep my comedy. I guess you could say PG 13 that I I just want you to be able to invite anyone. You can invite your crazy friend who has tattoos on her face and you can invite your friend from church that it's also why I don't go into who's also crazy. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, it's, that's another thing that I'll invite someone to a show and they're like, I'll tell you one thing about Trump. And I'm like, can you not like th- we're trying to have a good time. <laughs> Don't make me get in an argument on the way home from your show. Like, that's not what I'm here for, you know? <laughs> and see, I'm, that's what I'm here for. No, I I always admire anyone who can do clean comedy because I feel like I need like 18 F-bombs to make it funny. <laughs> and then, But then like the very first time I went to like an open mic night, it was all like 20 something dudes who were high yep. as hell and yep. everything yes. was a yes. dick joke. Like every <laughs> joke was right. a dick joke. Right. And I was right. like, right. oh, Jesus. And so then they call me up there. And I literally, I, I'm like, yeah, I kind of blanked. I got up there because I thought my stuff is not going to resonate with these guys. Like right. they are not going to find me funny at all. And so I was like, dicks, am I right? Like I don't, know to, like, I don't even know what to say. And so, but I am always amazed at people who can do clean comedy because I just – I cannot. And I think it's lovely of you to try to like unite all these various different types of people to come together and laugh. Whereas I'm all about like, mm, if you can't take a joke, fuck it. <laughs> so, no, no. Well, but, but by the way, I think the overarching thing is if you have any kind of public presence, you have to be who you really are. Mm-hmm. And that is who you really are. And and you would just be being fake and pretending to be someone you're not. And in fact, I've heard Jim Gaffigan talk about this, that he said, I, I, I swear plenty in my personal life. I mean, if you go have a drink with me, the, have dinner with me, whatever, like, yes, my language is not perfectly clean. But he said, look, I'm from the Midwest. It's just how my family did things. Like we just, we just don't use language if we're talking to a group of people. And I'm kind of from that sort of family too, that in our house, different story, but it, it's just, that is my, the culture that I come from. And so it, it, it's funny, even though like my language is just as terrible as it could be when I'm speaking privately. But I, ironically, like it would be inauthentic of me to drop five f bombs in my set because it's just not. I just I, I don't I don't do that publicly. So anyway, I think the overarching lesson is what your fans want from you is for you to be you, and so that if you being fake on stage is not what anyone wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Well, and I think it's also the same way too. Like as soon as I sort of like broke out and I was sort of that sweary, snarky mom, and then I would see other people kind of trying to be sweary and snarky, it didn't feel authentic either. You know, it was like, what the fuck is (laughs) happening? Right. (laughs) Right. I can't do it. So I think think you have to figure out what your style is and stick with your style and your authenticity. It, it, and that's, by the way, a metaphor for life, even people who aren't in comedy. I mean, even as adults, we, we have that temptation to say, I'll act like this. Or if I act like that, maybe I'll fit in with that group of people. Yeah. And I, I think the whole secret to life is you have to just own who you are. And if that is someone who is really nerdy or, or maybe own who you are, like you want to be fabulous, you want to do your makeup and dress up and wear a feather boa to the grocery store. If that is who you are, 
own it. There's no right or wrong answer here. The only way you can go wrong is if you're trying to change who you are to fit in with other people. A hundred percent. Did you guys hear that? Did you write that down? That should go in a mug too. That's a really long mug, but it should go on (laughs) one because it's a hundred percent. So my, my, my other thing I want to ask you about is now that we're all reaching a certain age and stage in life, you know, I have been pivoting into the whole midlife sphere and I've kind of gotten away from talking about parenting and that kind of thing, because it's like you said, my kids' friends follow me and it's weird and it's creepy and I don't really, they're not cute anymore either. Like they're just jerks. And so (laughs) different challenges. (laughs) Right. And so now it's like, I'm all about writing about the whole midlife experience. Do you have, are you kind of putting some of that into your show too at all? Are you getting, are you tapping into that vein yet? You know, not really. For some reason, I just haven't found a lot of comedy on that for me. Mm -hmm. But I, I think because I have gotten a lot of traction with the comedy that I've done, mainly on social media, I haven't gone into this as much in my set, but my philosophy of motherhood and parenthood, and I think being in midlife actually helps me deliver that message because nobody wants to take advice from a 22 year old who has like right. a nine month old. And, and I was that person, <laughs> by the way, who wanted to give advice when I really did not know a lot about parenting. And so, it, you know, I, I, I heard someone one time say that in whatever work you do, especially with the public presence, follow the energy. Where mm-hmm. is the, where are you seeing energy? Yep. And for me, I'm seeing a lot of energy around my philosophy of just womanhood, motherhood, you know, that kind of thing. Like why, why did my life turn out so differently than what you would expect from someone who lives in the suburbs and have six kids? And so I can go into that without speaking about, you know, the specifics of like what my teens are going through. And Mm -hmm. the, the thing I did on that that went super viral is I pretended like I was doing a hair tutorial and instead I said, I said, you know, you take your curling iron, which by the way, TikTok thought was not a curling iron. And I got suspended because they thought I was waving. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's a dildo folks. It, dildo right. is what, I know. Well, like, why would I be putting it in my hair? Like what? It's so stupid that I got suspended they do, for that. I do stop though. Like when I see the ads, I'm like, what? And like I zoom yeah. in because sometimes yeah. it is a dildo, but most I, times you never it's just know. a, you never most know. Most times it's, it's just yeah. a curling iron. So I, so I was like, you know, you take your curling iron and you say, I will not feel guilty about using this time. And as I was, I actually did give some real tips for doing your hair. But as I was doing them, I, I just went on this rant where I was like, women were not meant to raise children alone. And if you need to let your kids watch Netflix, for the love of God, let them watch Netflix because you were not meant to raise kids in isolation. And it's funny, I put it out there and I was like, well, nobody wants this. You know, nobody, nobody <laughs> wants to hear me ranting about whatever. Oh my gosh, it was like written up on in all these news outlets. It went it went mega viral. And then I did two or three other things on that same topic that also yeah. went like news coverage, front page of the Good Morning America website, front page of the Today Show website. So, you know, yeah. there seems to be energy. That that's the kind of subject I've been sort of Well, sticking that's with. the thing. I've really never heard anyone describe it that way as like you know, follow the energy, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Like I, I always tell people like lean in. Like the internet to me like especially for someone like you or I who we're always just trying out stuff on on social media. Like we have these so we have these amazing followers that just for one reason or another they like to hear from us. I don't quite understand why surely they have better things to do with their day than, you know, watch me in, on Facebook or 
TikTok or wherever, but it's like you do something and you can see that it like resonates and you're like, okay. And so I'm always like, you know, lean into that. I mean, the whole reason why this podcast is called No Pants Required is because one time I made a joke that I don't like wearing pants, you know, and then people were like, <laughs> and after that, you know, people were just like, then it became this whole thing. You know, I shared photos of myself I, when I finally would get dressed. And be like, look, you guys, I put on pants. And then I felt like a Kardashian. And I was like, oh, now I see where the Kardashians are always sharing photos of their outfits. Like, you know, people are like, where did you get those jeans? They're amazing. I'm like, Macy's, thank you. <laughs> you know, so, but I think like you have to sort of lean into like the internet gives you these gifts. I mean, and not everything is going to be a gem. That's going to, a lot of stuff is going to just bomb or you just put you up. You have to fail a lot. Yeah. yeah. Like, or you thought it was funny and you're like, meh, you know, like, or, or sometimes I just know, like, I'll put something up of like, a lot of people aren't going to like this, but here we go. We're going to talk about it. And, but I think when there's things that resonate and that kind of hit a vein, like you're just like, oh, you should definitely lean into that and have that be part, especially if it's something that you enjoy talking about. Oh, like it's yeah. one thing if you don't enjoy talking about, it, but I can't imagine I'm trying to think if I've ever had something that like hit that I was like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. I mean, I kind of get sick of the elf on the shelf, but not anymore because he's kind of died away now after 10 years. Finally, people have stopped Finally. sending me elves. But, you know, like right now I still haven't put away my Christmas stuff. And my mom came in my house the other day and I think I have eight elves on my mantle. And she was like, why do you? She's like, what is with the elves? I'm like, people just keep sending them to me, mom. I don't know. Like, you know? I, I, yeah, it's funny. I've had that too. They, well, it's a good sign though that when you have traction with something, people don't forget. Right. You want them to remember you. Like I want, yeah. you know, it's like, it's a branding 101, you know, to think about like, what are the things that people think of when they see something? Like last night I was actually teaching a, a class on how to write humor. And I realized that a lot of the examples I gave were all about vaginas. And I was, and I was really aware of how many men I had in this class. And I was like, oops. And I was <laughs> like, I have so to funny. tell you fellas, I'm like, people think of me when they think of their vagina. I don't know why, <laughs> Like I just, I get a lot of vagina content and it, the internet gives it to me and I give it back. So, you know, that is, that's a good writing. They should have to pay extra for that content. I think so. I, I mean, I was, I think they should be grateful that I taught them meat flaps and love tunnel. Those are great words for them to try out. (laughs) You need to use that. You need to do another open mic and use that in your standup. I should. I should be like, no more dick jokes. It's all vagina jokes tonight, right, fellas. Right. Buckle up. I've seen <laughs> women do that, by the way. They're like, when they when they go up in, here in Austin, they'll be like, yeah. all right, let's we two can play at this, right? Get your get, get your kitty ready because here we go. We're going to talk about this. We're going into we're going into into a territory you many of you have not been to, sir. Like here we go. <laughs> so. <laughs> nothing like uh, nothing like offending the audience right off the top. That's what I do. I, honestly, it's kind of a good strategy. I mean, you know, rants work for me. So I'm not surprised that you went viral with a rant. That's funny. So you're on the TikTok. Yes. Yes. And you're definitely on Twitter. Are you on Instagram? Oh, yeah. Instagram is kind of still my main platform, even though ironically, I'm getting more traction on TikTok, but I, but I love Instagram. It's, it's kind of my first love. So that's so nice. Yeah. That's definitely, yeah. People can look and you're gen, you're gen full while or everywhere. Like we can file. No, you. no, because like I, I wasn't smart enough to hook that up and, and yep. it was already taken. Yep. So I am Jennifer Fullweiler on, uh, on Instagram and then Jen Fullweiler with one N like you on Twitter and TikTok. Okay, and by well, the way, you don't good. understand how much power it gives me that I have a lot of followers on TikTok. And if my teens disrespect me, I'm like, okay, well, you know what? I'll go do a dance on TikTok. I'll, I'll be on <laughs> all of your friends' 
for you page and I'll shout you out by name. And then like when they try to tell me things aren't cool, like I said, something was rad the other day and they're like, mom, nobody says rad. And I'm like, okay, hey, actually uh, let's take a poll. I want everyone in this house who's a TikTok star to raise your hand. Oh, <laughs> oh, is it, oh, is it just me? Oh, I think I know. I think I know what's going I'm moving into the hype house. Like I'm, I don't even right? need to deal. I'm going to get my invite to the hype house any day now. So. Well, that's the thing. My teens always made fun of me because my biggest presence is on Facebook, which because yeah. 10 years ago, that's all there was. So, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So I still have a huge presence on Facebook. And, you know, my kids are like, ew, that's like yeah. Karen. Like nobody right. wants that. So then I got <laughs> no, on TikTok. I got on a TikTok during the pandemic and I made some TikToks and I, I don't know, I, I don't have a lot of followers over there, but I, I'm doing all right over there. And, and I said something about, oh, look, you know, I have more followers than you on TikTok. And ah. my kids were just like, <laughs> they're like, they're like yeah, you have all Karens following you. That's great. That's and so, so I'm like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to dance. I, if I could dance, I would. I just, it, it would embarrass I me can't. more than it would embarrass them. So I won't. Yeah. So instead, I'll just talk about my vagina on there. And no, I don't know. Fine. You got to be careful on TikTok because sometimes when someone, I, it, I did one of these things where I was like laying out my philosophy and someone was like, man, I've, I've been in a very, very dark place and this really helped me and thank you so much. And and I'm used to like talking to the moms who are, you know, having a tough time. So I was like, hey, I'm headed out on tour. And when I'm in your city, I will buy you a tequila shot and I'll, I'll take you by the hand and like tell you it's okay. And they replied, I'm a 15 year old boy. So I'd have to ask my mom. <laughs> and I was like, ah, you gotta be careful with this app, dude. Like I'm used to talking to like my demographic. Right. <laughs> Like, put down the phone and go to school. Right, oh my god! Right, right. Yes, yeah. See, I'm lucky. I don't have that. The teenagers don't comment. I know they're out there, but they don't comment. Thank goodness. But I have another friend, David Del Porto. She does My Life Suckers. She makes videos yeah, on yeah, YouTube yeah. a lot, and she has a very young. Like my kids were her fans, kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah. Like that's how I found her. And and so w- whenever she and I do stuff together, like it's always like, be careful, Jen, because you know, don't my audience are kids. <laughs> you know? Right, like, right. Oh. Yeah. She's like, don't fight with them. And I'm like, right, 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 yeah. right. You know, don't hit I on know them. So- sometimes when I get a, a hateful comment, I'm like, man, that's it. I'm sick of these people on TikTok. And I'll look and it's like a 13 year old. And I'm, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so like, this is so embarrassing that I just let a 13 year old's opinion ruin my day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. So if you want to follow Jen and get more of her content, you've got to look for Jennifer Fullweiler or Jen Fullweiler, depending <laughs> on what platform you're looking on. And if you want tickets to the show, so we're I'm gonna be in Topeka. So you definitely yes, if so you're in excited. the Kansas City area, like let's road trip it. Like I have a minivan, let's go. So we're gonna and go. by the way, that is tickets are that event is selling out. It's a it's just a question of when. So that this is not just me being in promo mode, seriously. If you want tickets to Topeka, get them soon because we are low on tickets there. Amazing. Fucking <laughs> hell. That's an awesome thing to have. A problem, An awesome problem to have. Yeah. So you go to jfcomedytour.com and you can see all the cities. And here's the thing. Okay, this is just going to be my pet peeve because I know like when I travel places. So Topeka, I live in Kansas City. And if you live in the metro, you know that Topeka is like an hour's drive, okay? It's not in my backyard. It's not in my living room. It's not down the street from me. But I'm going to get in my damn car. I'm going to put on my seatbelt. I'm going to put on a fucking podcast. And I'm going to drive to Topeka, okay? Because I love Jen. And I want to see Jen do her thing. So amazing. And I can't stand it when people are like, come to my town. Come to my town. And I'm like, cool. I'm an hour outside Austin. And they're right, like, oh, right. like, oh I wish you were far. in. Like, yeah. Hey, you're not a real fan. You're not dedicated. <laughs> yes, be dedicated. So we're, but on the flip side, 
for Omaha, I just went to Omaha for the first time, like over the summer. I had never been to Omaha yet, which is only like a three hour drive. I don't know why I never got there, but I never got there. And I used to have people that would like road trip from Omaha to Kansas City to see me. Whereas nice. I couldn't get people to come from like North Kansas City to see me. So, right. you know, it's like, I know, right. but I'm telling y'all, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth the bra and the pants that you have to put on to go. And honestly, it's sweatshirt season in March still. We right, won't right. even know if you're not right. wearing a There's bra. No be fine. There's no dress no code. There's no dress code. I got tickets right next to the bar because I know me and I know who That's I am. That's the place to and be. You yes. could see a little map and they showed me where the stage was and where the bar was. And I was like, cool. I'm bar. right here. Yeah, good, bar. good, good. I can see it from everywhere. So I'm well, very happy about that. Well, you'll be backstage where I'll have the whole setup. So I'll put it in my rider now that I guess I'm fancy. I haven't done a theater tour with UTA because I just did comedy clubs. So we'll see how much I can max out my rider. Oh, I'll send you my list. That'd nice. Okay, good, good. Nice, <laughs> nice. So yeah, so we're going to have so much fun. So please go and see Jen's tour. I just, I'm so proud of you and I'm so excited that you're doing this. And I love that you bet on yourself and that it is, it is a good bet. It is such a great bet. And I'm, I can't wait to see you do your thing. It's going to be amazing. Well, it is an honor. I've been a fan of yours forever. So this has just been such an honor for me. I'm so excited about everything you're doing. And I'm just excited to finally meet you in person in Topeka. It's like, it's making me look forward to the whole tour, just that I get to start by meeting you because Topeka is my first stop. I know we're going to kick it off. It's going to be great. Okay. So now if you're done puking, cause we've done this whole big love fest, and I'm sorry if everybody's listening like, Oh Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, but sometimes we do have to love on each other. Okay. So fuck off. All right. So please follow Jen, get on tour, subscribe to this podcast, do all the things you're supposed to do and get on our newsletters. I know Jen has a newsletter. I just signed up for it. I didn't know you had a newsletter. The newsletters are so important. Sign up for the goddamn newsletters, please. I've been on yours for like years and years. Yeah. And it's great. And I, I, and what's funny is I always love reading your updates, even during COVID when I knew you weren't touring or anything, I would, uh, the ones sometimes, I guess it didn't show some to me, but I love reading your email list. Thank you. They end up in people's spam folder. So please check your spam folder. I don't know why they do that. But yeah, so this is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to Topeka. I'm going to wear my sparkly pants. I'm going to yell. It's going to be great. I'm going to be backstage. I'm going to be on the stage. I'm going to fall off the stage. It'll be fantastic. Oh, it'll be amazing. Thank you, Jen, for coming on today. And I will see you in a month. I can't wait. Thank you so much. And thank you for all your listeners for listening. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening and subscribing to No Pants Required with Jen Mann. Don't forget to follow me on social media and subscribe to my newsletter at jenmanwrites.com. My newest book, Midlife Bites, Anyone Else Falling Apart or Is It Just Me? is available now everywhere books are sold. So please get a copy, read it. Tell me what you think. I'm so excited to share this book with you.